Cain bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. I want to turn your attention to one more passage of Scripture. This is Revelation chapter number 3 and verse number 20. This is the words of, the, of Jesus Christ to John on the Isle of Patmos. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come to him and will sup with him and he with me. Praise God. I'm preach to you this morning. I'm going to get right into it. Life's most important decision. Life's most important decision. Praise God. I did not know who would be here. I did not know even of the saints of God. I, I, I always get up every Sunday morning expecting there to be all three or four hundred of us because there's over 300 people that call this home. And I expect every Sunday for all 300 plus of them to be here. I heard a man tell a fellow at a conference one time, he said, how many are you running now? He said, about 1,000. He said, really? He said, well, I'm running them. He said, I hadn't caught them all. But... So. Praise God. If you're going to help me, I want you to lift your hands to the Lord. I greet you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. God, I ask you to anoint me God, I ask you to speak conviction to anybody who's not prepared for heaven, Lord. That you would touch their mind, but beyond their intellect, that you would touch their spirit and their conscience, Lord. And that you would prick their conscience with, 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 uh, with uh, an understanding of a need for you, O oh Lord. And that by faith they might follow you to obedience unto salvation, God. Hallelujah. Clap your hands to the Lord. Shout unto the Lord with the voice of triumph. When you say that on Sunday night, it's a lot louder than it is on Sunday morning. I don't know why, but there's just something about it. On Sunday night, you can say shout unto the Lord. I don't know if people have, uh, uh, if maybe you didn't get a good breakfast under your belt this morning. I don't know, but some, when you say that on Sunday night, it's a lot louder. So y'all want to try it again? Shout unto the Lord with the voice of triumph. You may be seated in Jesus' name. I always want to be sure and never leave it unsaid that I love all of you. Amen. To those of you that are our guests and our friends here today and you don't happen to be, amen, an attending, uh, 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 professed and proclaimed and embraced member of this fellowship of this body of believers, we love you just the same and we're so glad you are here with us to our church family. We love you so much to my biological and family that uh, 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 I, I, I cannot express how wonderful and how, how marvelous it is next to being a, a child of Jesus Christ and a brother to Jesus Christ and a child of God. Having my family and my extended family here is the most uh, rewarding thing that life has ever done to, for me.
I honor all of those of you here today that's made it your life's work to walk this pilgrim pathway. And you've decided that heaven is worth it. Amen. Whether young or old, whether you're a seasoned saint or you're a new acolyte to this thing called the church, uh, amen. I respect and honor and love, uh, give love to all of those of you that have made it up in your mind and you've made it up in your heart and you've made it up in your spirit that the gospel way is the path to peace and joy and not only peace and joy in this life but eternal life to come. Especially I want to give respect and honor to those of you who as time and chance would have it are part of this generation that's called to stand in the breach. You see, uh, uh, people when you get to a certain season in life and Sister Howington and I have, have more or less embarked upon the beginnings of the last uh, uh, season of life according to the scriptures we're, we're, in, uh, we're at least in the beginning stages of the last season of life but there's a generation coming along behind me that God has called you to stand in the breach. You are to stand in the gap and you are supposed to behold fast to the principles that were delivered and to the doctrines of the apostles and to the faith that was once delivered to the saints and at the same time stand fast in a culture that's swirling like a maelstrom around you like a tornado going on around you holding on to your children and reaching for the lost. Amen. I give double honor and respect to you. Amen. That you are called in the prime of your life to hold forth the light of the message of this darkness of this world's darkness in a sin-sickened world. I was prompted by the Holy Ghost to be considerate and not belabor the point, so I'm going to try to, and there is, and there will be a great anointing. It's already in this place. There will be a great spirit of conviction fall upon the hearts of those that will receive it this morning. I will do my best to honor the Lord's request, for you see, some decisions have so much import that they, if we get them wrong, they affect everything. Can I get an amen? Some decisions are so important that if you get that one wrong, everything after that is messed up. Everything after that is wrong until something comes along to correct it. I read a little saying. I don't know where, where it's from. Uh, I know Shakespeare wrote a line in one of his plays. I believe it was uh, 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 Richard III or whatever it was. Anyway, I'm not a Shakespeare expert. But he said, my, uh, a horse, a horse, my kingdom for a horse. And it was about a king that had been knocked off of his steed in the bat on the battlefield. But I read something one time similar to that. It says, for lack of a nail, the shoe was lost. And for lack of a shoe, the horse was lost. And for lack of a horse, the rider was lost. And for lack of a rider, the battle was lost. And for lack of the battle, the war was lost. And it all started with one person who neglected to make sure that the nail was in a sure place. The Bible says that fixing this thing in your mind is like having a nail fixed in a sure place. You get that nail anchored in the right place. You get that thing anchored in the right place. It'll hold the weight of anything you hang on it. The fickle, foolish, erroneous, errant things that I see going on in the world around us today. Sadly, much of it goes on within the ranks of people that call themselves the redeemed is because we have not fastened this thing right in our souls. It's too tenuous. It's too, it's too temporal. It's too, it's, it's too connected. Oh, and I'm, I'm, I'm fixing to go too long. I can feel it coming on. Amen. It's too connected to something that doesn't really mean anything. Praise God. Praise God.
just uh, you just can't live in two worlds at the same time. Many have tried. Many have been lured and tricked into thinking and believing that you can do that. Well, I'll hold on. I'll keep the tenets of the faith. I'll hold on to what grandma and grandma used to have in my mind, but I'm going to practice what I want to do. Let me tell you what, that is a recipe for a disaster and a failure. Jesus taught us that you, a man cannot serve two masters. We are living out one of those epic times when there has come a great shift and a change in the natural world around us. And as it always goes, a great shift in the unseen world, spiritual things always accompanies that. Anytime you see an upheaval, and anytime you see uh, some cataclysmic thing happen in the natural world that affects everybody, wars always have a an analogy that bleeds through from the natural world where the death and the destruction is happening into the spirit world where upheavals are also taking place. And we cannot, and if you, if you don't hear anything else I say this morning, you hear this, what's going on in our world around us is not just a, about a pandemic. It's not just about Republicans and Democrats and liberals and conservatives. It's not about one people's lives mattering than another people's lives. It's about eternal things. And with the shift that we see going on in the world, and everybody's life ought to matter. It's not easy. Uh, some people are, uh, 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 are like porcupines. They got a lot of good points, but you have to stay clear of them. But everybody's life ought to matter. I'm glad somebody reached for me, Brother Jeremy, when I was uh, a 24-year-old. Uh, 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 youngster that thought I knew everything and found me and taught me a Bible study and God got to speaking to me about it and I got and, and, and caused me to turn some things around. Amen. We are living out one of those times. There's a great shift going on. Decisions that are made in such times as we're living in now will not will, will most likely chart the course and the path for everything hereafter. What do you mean, Brother Hacken? If you decide that you've made it up in your mind and that this is the most important thing, it's going to have an impact and an effect on everything from now until the rapture takes place. And by the same token, if you decide that you're going to throw this under the bus and that you're going to take your chances, then that's going to do the same thing. Anytime somebody comes to this altar and repents, God is putting into you the potential to change everything from here on out for every generation that lives till the rapture comes. But by the same token, every time somebody goes out that back door and says, I'm done with this, I'm going to live the way I want to, you too, sir, ma'am, you have done the same thing just in an opposite direction. Hallelujah. Zephaniah 1, the prophet, said it like this. He said, there's coming a day when the Lord is going to prepare a sacrifice of righteousness. And he's going to prepare that sacrifice. And then he is going to bid his guest to come to the celebration. And I'm paraphrasing here, but listen, listen what it says. And this is a paraphrase from Zephaniah chapter number 1. He said, there will be those that the Lord calls them. Amen. They will be considered to be kings and princes in the, in the earth. Amen. But they will not heed the call. There's many great people. There's many people that if they didn't have their egos to stroke, if they didn't have their image to protect, if they didn't have their pride to cover up, could be better Christians than they are or be a Christian at all. 
because the esteem, there's a lot of people sadly in our world that uh, uh, being part of the bacon wrap shrimp club of the elitist of government, politics, uh, 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 sports, Hollywood, whatever it might be, the entertainment industries, they could not see themselves foregoing those accoutrements of this natural world around us to be a Christian because it would require too much of them. He said there will be kings and princes that will be invited to the celebration but they'll deem themselves too great and too important. They'll clothe themselves with strange apparel, Zephaniah said, and they'll have a look and a conduct and a deportment that will not be acceptable unto God in that day. Now this is not a sermon about dress codes. But in that day, the Lord said, I will punish those that leap on the threshold. On one side, he said, he said, in that day when that sacrifice of righteousness was prepared, and I invite a lot of important people, but they're too self-important to heed the call. He said, those people, he said, I liken them to people that stand at the door and do this. You know what they're doing? They're leaping on the threshold. They're looking at two worlds. They're looking in one direction and seeing something that entices their natural man. And they're looking in another direction and seeing something that speaks to the inner man. And their hesitancy, their reluctance, their complacency, whatever excuse they built for themselves, they decide to reject God's invitation. On one side is the acceptance by God into a covenant of promise prepared for those that would come before Him and be made righteous by the sacrifice that He's prepared. And on the other side is everything that appeals to the outward sense of self-importance, self-will, and points you toward the rejection of God's invitation. Leaping on the threshold, can't decide whether I'm going to be or I'm not going to be. That is very telling for it seems that indecision is in and of itself a decision. That tells me that being indecisive is a decision. And that leaping on the threshold will not go unpunished. Oh please, please hear me today precious unsaved that are here today and even church members today I told pastor in, the, in, the, in uh, uh, our coterie of men there in the office before service so armor bearers and uh, cadets and so forth I said I hope there's some people here that are not that, uh, that are needing to get right with God I said I hope some of those that are here realize it's them praise God this is not about we're right and you're wrong. The first thing some people want to do when you try to talk to them about the sacrifice of righteousness that will keep you in a safe place, the first thing they want to do is they want to tell you about their doctrinal traditions of their, of their ancestry. They want to tell you what the denominational affiliation of their, certain con their local congregation might be. It, but it's not about that at all. It's about a decision that's going to affect eternal things 
It's about attempting to hold on to two worlds at the same time. Adam and Eve couldn't do it. They couldn't have paradise and grasp for those things which God had forbidden unto them. And it's been that way ever since. And for those who can hear it, listen closely. Because the more and the longer that our spirit rebels or the more and longer that our spirit just remains ambivalent or indifferent, the more entrenched those things and those ways of indecision will be fostered and they will be strengthened and entrenched into your life. A note to those who will hear me. Eve had to be convinced to sin. And Cain, one generation later, couldn't be talked out of it. Whoa, quiet in here. Eve had to be beguiled into committing sin. And one generation later, her offspring couldn't be talked out of it with the most passionate of reasons. You see, there is no literal scriptural evidence that says that God required a specific offering. We do know that Abel's bringing of a, of a lamb, the firstlings of his flock, and a blood sacrifice, and the fatlings thereof, and the things that were the, the most luscious and important and and significant in his day. That is a foreshadowing of the blood of, of the Lamb of God. We understand that. But there is no scripture that literally expressly tells them that you were supposed to bring a blood, a, a sacrifice, a lamb. Abel brought what he dealt with every day. Cain brought what he dealt with every day. Cain's sacrifice came out of the fruit of the, uh, of the earth and the earth had been cursed in the fall. There's something more telling than Abel brought a lamb and Cain brought fruit and grain and vegetables because they brought what they dealt in. But the scripture tells us that Cain was rejected and Abel was accepted. And I know there's some analogies that could be appropriated here, but just for the sake of, of literary license, let me preach to you. The real issue was not what Cain brought. The real issue was rather how he brought it. Cain got angry when God said, I can't accept that. I, de I posit to you today that the reason that it was rejected was not because God didn't have a course of action that Cain could have taken, but it was rather because Cain brought an attitude that says, I'm going to give you this, God, and if this doesn't suit you, then that's too bad. Cain made a decision, I'm going to do it this way, and uh, I, I get so exasperated when I hear people say, well, I just don't think God, and you didn't just fill in the blank, requires this, believes this. Or, uh, you better find whatever you're talking about in the book 
or be quiet. You can't just arbitrarily decide because you don't like something or that it doesn't suit your taste or it's not socially acceptable or politically correct and, it, it's not, and you're not acclimated to do that because you just don't like certain aspects of it. When I hear people say that, I just, I just tighten up on the inside and say, oh my God. That's the sin of Cain that decides that I don't have to do it the way God laid it out. You say, well, how could it be that Cain would be responsible? The Bible says Cain was very wroth because the way he wanted to do it was unacceptable. And when he realized that God found his ways unacceptable, the Bible says that, and I'm paraphrasing again, God said, Cain, why are you so rebellious and angry? He said, I hadn't cut you off. I've just told you that you've got to find a better plan. Isaiah wrote it like this. Amen. He said, come, let us reason together. God was trying to reason with Cain. He wasn't telling Cain, you were damned to hell forever. In fact, God was was a little bit saddened or, or, or vexed probably in his righteousness when he found out that instead of it having an effect on Cain and saying, God, what, it, what, what did I do wrong? I need, I need you to help me figure out what I did wrong. Instead, Cain wanted to pout and get mad. He wanted it to be Abel's fault. How many times have Christians been kicked in the shins by, the, by somebody on their way out the door? Practically every time, Pastor. I pray God gives you some spiritual shin guards. Because just as sure as you rebel against God's plan, there's, uh, I've known thousands, I've baptized hundreds, preached to thousands, I've, I've laid my hands on hundreds and hundreds, probably thousands of people here and abroad and watched them get the Holy Ghost and talk in tongues and be filled with the Spirit of God. And I've seen many, 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 many walk out the door and there's just a handful that didn't kick somebody at the church in the shins on the way out. Spiritually speaking. Mad. Mad because Adam's sacrifice. Oh my God, did I ever touch up? Did I ever? I landed right on the top of something right there. Mad because Adam's sacrifice was acceptable. And what you what they were doing was not. Now the world will buy that. You can go out to your buddies, go back to the bar room and find your buddies and tell them uh, about how bad that church did you or that pastor did you or those people did you or your spouse did you or whoever. They'll buy that and they'll commiserate with you. But it doesn't change eternity. I need to hurry. Isaiah said, come let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they'll be white as snow, and, as they, and though they be like crimson, they shall be as wool. God said, Cain, if you'll just listen, I'm not trying to punish you. I'm trying to help you find a way. He said, I'm trying to reason with you. 
You see, why was Cain, why are you so angry, Cain? God's not looking for a reason to punish you. God has a plan and God has a place. It's a kingdom that's unseen by this world and it's ordained unto holiness. And God made it up in his mind when he created all of the, all of the cosmos. He said, I'm reserving the new Jerusalem in the heavenly realm where the throne of God lives, is and the angels reside. And that place that I've prepared for the redeemed of God to be a place so clean and so pure and so holy, I can't let anything that's not like that get in there lest it contaminate it all. God has a plan and God has a place and it's a kingdom that's unseen by this world and it's a place of holiness and it's inhabited by those that have been made righteous not by the merit of who you are but because you had faith enough to be obedient to the word of God. Neither God nor his true church are looking for an excuse or a reason to exclude anybody and if you are, you need, to, you, you need this sermon today. If there's something about you that looks down the nose of, uh, 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 down your nose at, at sinner people and they disgust you, sin ought to disgust you, but sinners ought not. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But His word and His plan is forever settled in the heavenlies, the Bible tells us. The Lord told Cain, He said, if you will do what is right, you will be accepted. What do you mean, God? If you look around and you see somebody whose life is working and whose plan matches what the Bible said, then why wouldn't you do that? I hear people say, I'm going to live my own life the way I want to. Yeah, well, you can do that. God, God don't mind that. Uh, it, it breaks his heart. But he will, I, I, let me say it like this, God doesn't mind. God will allow that. Let me say it like that. God will allow you to live your life any way you want to. But here's the thing that, that's always been a perplexing thing to me. Why would you look at people whose lives work and purposely, willingly reject that? I hear, I hear people say, well, I, I tried that church business and it didn't work for me. Your problem, Cain, is not that the plan don't work. The problem is that the way you approached it had reservation and rebellion in it. Oh, my God. Am I preaching too hard? The Lord told Cain, if you'll do what is right, you'll be accepted. And he said, if you don't sin, life at the door. But I'm just, I'm just about through. I'm going to open this altar here in just a minute. But I found out something revelationary this week, Pastor. When I got to reading that, I found out that the scholars had an insight into that that you wouldn't realize just by reading the King James or any version of the Bible. Because in the original language that that text was written in the original language makes no distinction between sin and sin offering so in light of that revelation the Lord said if you do well you'll be accepted and if not either sin 
or the sin offering lieth at the door. You say, well, that's, that, what, what does that mean? That means decide, the decision you make determines whether you get the sin offering or the consequence of the sin. The sin and the sin offering lieth at the door. That's the reason that it's so crucial that people don't stand in this hour and in this day. And you hear me, Facebook Live. You hear me, those of you that can't find it to get to the house of God if you're sick or whatever. But, but if, if, if fear of the inevitable, if, if fear of the inevitable is holding you out of the house of God, you need to hear me. You are not going to get out of this earth alive. And being fearful of the inevitable is a terrible decision. I'm anointed. I'm anointed. I, God spoke to me. He was going to anoint me. Sin lieth at the door. Revelation 3 and 20, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hear my voice, and open the door, I will come in to him. He does not want you, when the door opens, to run out and follow Cain. But if any man hears me, and opens the door, I will come in to him, and will sup with him. I will, I will sit down and have that, that, Feast with him, and he'll have that feast with me. So the decision today, saint of God who needs to be refreshed and renewed, or unsaved friend that's here today, or those of you on the internet, if you think I'm being unkind, the kindest thing you can ever have is somebody to tell you the truth about where your spirit really is. So the decision today is this. Will you push past the Savior, the sin offering that's at the door? The sin offering that's been made for all of mankind. Will you push past it to get out of the door? Jesus said, I am the door. He's not only the door, but he's the sin offering at the door. He said, if you insist on pushing past me, If you insist on pushing past the door that he's trying to come in at. Outside, there's myriad influences. When Cain left out that day, he's never spoken of in the lineage of Abel. Chapter 4 tells what happened to Cain. Chapter 5 says, And God gave Adam and Eve a son by the name of Seth. And the lineage began with Seth then. Men began to call upon the name of the Lord in the days of Seth. The first opportunity to make right decision ended in death and murder. So God said, okay. Abel's gone. And Cain left out. 
I wonder if that myth that Cain was cut out of the lineage because he made a decision that excluded him from the genealogy of the redeemed. So are you going to push past today where the Savior is trying to get in? You see, you can go out from this place and you can have cultural enrichments. You can have entertainments and pleasures. You can have intellectual enlightenment. You can have great wealth and material things. But I got one more question for you. Is any of that worth missing heaven over. It's not intrinsically wrong to be successful in business and wealthy. It's not anything to have a good, wrong with having a good education. It's nothing that wrong with, with entertainments as long as they're held within certain parameters. There's nothing wrong with, uh, 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 with appreciating beautiful art. None of those things are inherently wrong. But when you push past the sin offering at the door in order to have those things, you see, Cain's sin was not what he brought. It was the attitude with which he brought it because the attitude with which he brought his sacrifice was the same attitude that drove him out the door. To choose anything above God's plan is unacceptable. Cain pushed past the sin sacrifice that day and was swallowed up by a world system that did not accept nor acknowledge the God who created it. Sadly, many millions down through the ages have followed Cain out that door. Sadly, today we're living in a society that wants to shove God completely out of the picture. They're not just satisfied to let us be some obscure little off-scouring somewhere on the periphery of society they want the society we're living in now there's been a paradigm shift in the culture we're living in now wants us to quit believing this you better make it up in your mind because there's a system right outside the door that will swallow you And you'll be just like something that, that, that was swept out to sea, never to be seen again. The ocean swallowed up many a vessel down through the years. And nobody ever knew where it went or what happened to it. And when you push past the sin offering that stands at the door and says, I've got a plan, and, and the plan is for you to stay inside, and I'll come in there with you. But if you decide to push past that, you will be swallowed up by a culture that is as godless and as irreverent and unholy and as wicked as it can be. You say, well, that's just not an enlightened point of view. It is the most enlightened point of view that I've been able to find. And I might not be the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I'm not an ignoramus either. There might be people that's got uh, uh, more degrees than a thermometer listening to me on the Internet this morning. But I'm going to tell you, I found something that sustained me through the years 
It recharted the course of my children and my grandchildren. It took my parents ahead of me on into glory. And they were there when little Braxton went. What a consolation it is to know if my, when my time comes to go. I'm going to lay my head on Jesus' breast. I'm going to be like John that night at the supper. I'm going to be in there where the Lord is. I'm going to be, I'm going to be eating at that table. I'm going to lay my head over on his breast and say, Lord, there's no place in this world for me anymore. Give me the key of E flat there, ladies. So I'm asking you today, Millions followed him out the door, but it doesn't have to be that way with you. I'm going to open this altar and I'm going to ask everybody in the building to stand. And if you need to social distance because of, uh, of uh, you've never had COVID, we understand that. Put your mask on, social distance, whatever you want to do. But many people are past that, that impetus right now. And I'm going to open this altar. And if you're here today and you've never been born again of the water and of the Spirit, you've never been filled with God's holy, sweet Holy Ghost, you've never repented of your sins, or you're backslidden and know it, or backslidden and don't know it, God's speaking to you right now.